I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Another episode of Simply Amazing. I'm Tim Ryder from the Apple. Uh, we have a quick first half, and then my buddy Stouffer Cochran from over at Prospects 1500 will be joining the show. Get a little preview of the uh, the Marlins series. Very upstart, young, talented fish team coming in to, uh, I guess the Mets have 11 games against them before the... Uh, before the All-Star break. So we'll be seeing plenty of this uh, this Miami team. But the Mets take another series from the uh, the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, Chris Bassett was terrific in Game 1. The Mets got their doors blown off in Game 2. And uh, that, that, that hallmark resiliency, uh, Mets had plenty of it on Thursday. Came back from a 4-1 deficit. Uh, kind of laughed in the face of a couple of injuries. And, you know... Just keep on plugging and moving along. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll go over the injuries real quick. Tyler McGill left the game uh, with some shoulder discomfort. Uh, I believe we'll learn more about that on Friday once they run some tests. Uh, okay, of course, you know Tyler McGill has been a very important part when he's been around. Uh, just came back from the IL after a pretty extended stint, and um, you know the Mets. <laughs> Again, they've had Bassett, who's been up and down, but again, his last time out was uh, incredible. That was Tuesday against the Brewers. Um, and then you get you got to kind of look to Cookie Carrasco, Ty Walker, David Peterson, Trevor Williams, and uh, then you got the two big dogs who are slowly but surely making their way back. You got Max, who threw a simulated game uh, this week. I believe a rehab assignment would be next on the list, and uh, hopefully, you know, Two times, two times through on that end, and uh, I believe he told the Mets media core on Thursday that he'd be fine with coming back, throwing 70, 80 pitches just to kind of get that under his belt and then take it from there, especially now if the Mets need him. Uh, that would probably be helpful. And then he got Jacob deGrom, who's pretty much right behind Max. Um, it sounds like the all-star break you know, rough estimate for returns might actually come to fruition. So that could be a, that could be huge, especially if McGill is slated to miss some time. Uh, Tyler McGill wasn't the only injury the Mets dealt with on Wednesday, uh, excuse me, Thursday. Uh, The Mets, their lineup was not released until about an hour and a half before the game. Uh, Eduardo Escobar, who usually plays Consistently against lefties, he had Aaron Ashby on the uh, on the mound for the Brewers on Thursday. He was not in the lineup. Uh, the seven line, I believe, put out a very very quick tweet <laughs> before it was deleted, saying uh, Escobar, uh, per a source, Escobar left the stadium in an ambulance. Uh, that has not been confirmed. I'm recording this at I don't know 4:50 <laughs> on Friday morning. Uh, yeah, getting it in before work, kind of like that. Um, not sure. Uh, Buck Showalter, after the game Thursday, confirmed that 
Escobar was not in the stadium. He was dealing with a non-workplace event, uh, kind of deferred to the medical staff. Another, kind. I guess we'll find out more on Friday. Uh, concerning, extremely concerning, you know, what we've heard about Escobar, what we've seen from Escobar, the guy's a gamer, uh, always wants to play, you know, just, he's, he's a ball player. It's got to be something uh, pretty serious to, to keep him out and keep him out of the dugout altogether, especially with a short bench. So, yeah, thoughts are uh, are out with uh, Eduardo Escobar. Hopefully that's all good. And, you know, otherwise, um, the Mets are just plugging along. Mark Canna had a very, very big home run on Thursday. Uh, he's... 10 for his last 32, moved up into the leadoff spot. I think he got on base one, two times, scored two runs. Uh, he's up to 295 on the year, just really. Uh, Mark Cannon has been outstanding. Um, he's one of the top-ranked left fielders by outs above average on StatCast. Uh, put out a, a very warm uh, tweet. Regarding, I guess Friday night is Pride Night at City Field. Uh, Mark Can is asking, "Where are my my beautiful LBGTQ people? Hopefully, you're all coming out." And you know that that sort of public alliance. Um, it's it's just it's inclusion is what it's all about, friends. And that's you know I guess I'll leave it at that. But um, you know, guys, we we will you know we we've said it. We we'll repeat ourselves once again. Guys fall down, other guys pick them up. So you look at, you know, Francisco Lindor, who's been, of course, struggling since he fractured his finger in the uh, hotel door in Los Angeles. He's eight for his last 49 with 14 strikeouts. You know, when, when Francisco Lindor is at, is up, he's up. When he's not, he's not. And right now he's dealing with an injury. He's toughing it out. And I think that's a, uh, a plus for the Mets. I know he's not really producing at this moment, but... It sets an example as a leader. Like, oh, yeah, look, I got a broken finger. I'm still out here playing. Um, you know, if we could all put forth that sort of effort, let's do something special here. Of course, I'm just presuming, but um, Pete Alonso. Pete Alonso was on a just a ridiculous tear, I believe, through the West Coast trip and the first game of the series against the Brewers. He was hitting 316, 381, 737 with five homers, and he's 0 for 7 since. So, again, the ups and downs, the peaks and valleys, it's bound to happen. And, uh, you know, you just kind of look to other guys to, to pick it up, and this, this roster is deep enough that they can do that. It's actually really impressive. Uh, Trevor May, who's, of course, been out, he started throwing again last week. Um, Seth Lugo. And this isn't a direct comparison, but, you know, when you lose a setup guy and you're able to replace him with another just terrific setup guy who's already in-house, again, it's a testament to the uh, to the depth and the, um, the next man up mentality that not only this team has, but what the front office is kind of, you know, the depth chart that's up in that office. You know, they know who's up next and in every best or worst case scenario. And look at Seth Lugo. Seth Lugo, you know, coming back from the elbow chip surgery, I think everybody saw that he really wasn't there last year um, physically yet, at least back to where he wanted to be, where we were used to seeing him. And then it was a little off to start the year. And, you know, ever since, he's just been outstanding. That curveball, the 3,200-plus uh, RPMs, 100th percentile in Major League Baseball. So, arguably the best curveball in baseball. And over his last 10, he's only allowed two earned runs. 
12 strikeouts. It's gone multi-innings twice. It's 12, 12 and two-thirds over that span uh, with a 1.18 whip. That's gonna um, that's always going to play. And if, if you have Edwin Diaz, who's just, you know, lights out. He's from another world right now. And especially if May comes back and when he's healthy and, you know, just that kind of three-headed monster at the back of the uh, – at the back of the, the relief core, that's that's big for the Mets. That's huge, especially when you're playing this comeback game. Uh, we saw it again on Thursday against Milwaukee. You know, if you're scratching and clawing back and, and it's still a close one in the seventh, eighth, and ninth, you're going to need these, you know, big, reliable arms at the uh, the end of your bullpen. And, boy, between Lugo and Diaz and, and May and whoever else can really, you know, <laughs> find their rhythm and contribute um, – the Mets are just, they're pulling out all the stops. At least it appears that way. And you have to assume that there'll be uh, more reinforcements on the way as the uh, the trade deadline gets closer just to kind of tie up any loose ends. But, uh, yeah, you know, moving right along. The Mets have uh, Miami coming in for the weekend. And we have our buddy Stouffer Cochran from Prospects 1500. He is back. Um, Going to give us a quick Marlins series preview. Uh, talk about these upstart fish. Talk about the very bright future that the uh, the Marlins have. And, uh, yeah, we're going to get into that very quick episode today. But let's take a quick break. We will hear from our sponsors, and we'll come back with Stover. Hang tight. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back. Uh, once again, Tim Ryder from the Apple. We're joined by my buddy Stouffer Cochran. He is a uh, Marlins writer over at Prospects 1500, covering the minor leagues, but my friend is knee-deep in everything fish. Stouffer, welcome back to the show, man. Hey, Tim. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's always a pleasure, and especially when uh, when the Mets and the Marlins square off. I, I got my go-to. This is uh, my guy Stouffer. <laughs> always love talking baseball never a dull moment oh absolutely not man. and uh I, I guess both of our teams have had well the Mets have had plenty of excitement so far but the Marlins have, have been playing well especially as of late I think uh rattled off six in a row last week 
Yeah, June has been a much better month than May. Um, clearly, we still we're not ready to be a playoff team, but you can see some some improvements in the lineup as you go along. I mean, you look at the the core, and you guys have been waiting so long for this core: the Garrett Coopers, the uh, the Brian Andersons. I mean, you know, John Birdie. These guys have been here for a little bit. They're starting to come into their own. Uh, I really like Brian De La Cruz. I think he's going to be a good player. I think you already see what Jesus Sanchez can do. Um, you know, when he makes solid contact, forget it. He's just a monster. Good veteran presence with Rojas, Aguilar, and Garcia. And, uh, and of course, you got Jazz, who is probably, arguably, my favorite non-Met in, in Major League Baseball. He is fun to watch. I tell you what, between him and Augie at first... <laughs> you're, you're, you're just busting at the belly laughing the whole time for me. Um, they got a lot of personality, but I mean, jazz is great. I love him. He's one of my favorites, obviously, cause this is my team. Uh, he's shaping up to look like a 2020 type player in his second year in the bigs. Yeah. Lots right. of projection there. Flirting. I know earlier in the year he was pushing 900 OPS. He's still flirting around 850 or so. Um, what a, just a, an extremely fun player. Real quick on Aguilar. Uh, I saw him. They sent him home. Uh, I guess he was from first, trying to score from first this week. <laughs> and, and he's like cracking up probably halfway between third and home. Like, what are they doing? Yep. But, I mean, I get what you're saying. It's just so f- good for the game. It's good for the fans. You really feel that, um, you know, you love these guys. <laughs> yeah, they're just, you know, he's just trying to make the – baseball what it is it's supposed it's a game it's fun you know um he's trying to teach that to everybody and not to put to, so much pressure on them because you know what happens in baseball when you start pressing and pressing and you want to do good and you try to be perfect you're not going to be perfect or be successful oh that's every walk of life right mm-hmm. um now speaking of you know having fun with the game and stuff there was a team meeting in miami this past week or earlier this week i should say and Jazz, Jazz Chisholm was the, um, is the center of that. There were some reports that Mattingly called the meeting so teammates could kind of voice opinions. Is there tension here or is it just stuff that needed to be aired out, you think? I think Mattingly was just given the platform for them to air their grievances and get over it, you know? It's, uh, it's not middle school. We're adults here. We just need to treat everybody like adults. So I think that's really the case of what it was. And I think it might've, you know, social media blows things out of proportion, but oh, if anybody's yeah. got a problem with jazz, I think you can find your way out of Miami because he's there to stay. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm like, I, I mean, I can understand. You got a lot of nice players that are, that are playing well and everyone's kind of punching above their weight, considering where the Marlins are at in the division. Um, you know, jazz is having a really, really nice year and he's, he's on a, a, a special trajectory. But um, yeah, I couldn't I, I couldn't wrap my head around teammates being upset with that. But I'm sure there's so much going on behind closed doors that you know we're just kind of just you know chiseling at the at the surface. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's a little wild, but um, you can't talk about the Marlins without talking about that pitching man. My goodness, ooh, it's coming together. The plan <laughs> is coming together. <laughs> um, you know the the plan, the blueprint's been there for a few years now. Um. I guess if you talk to a diehard Marlins fan, they'll tell you, oh, yeah, you, we knew this was coming. But, boy, this is coming in force. Everyone's just looking f- fantastic. Oh, Sandy is an ace. He's a stud. 
following up by Pablo actually staying healthy this year and him putting it together, knock on wood. Um, I think one thing we're sad about is the sophomore slump for Rogers. It seems like we were talking about just a few minutes ago, pressing. It seems like that's what's happening with him. He's trying to be a little, make his pitches a little too perfect and he keeps missing. He's walking a lot of people and just doesn't seem, he seems like he needs to get recalibrated if that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, I guess the, the silver lining to that, at least in the Marlins case, is that you have so much depth around him. Um, and, even you know, Edward Cabrera came out of nowhere and he looks fantastic. Uh, uh, who went yesterday against Philly on Wednesday against Philly? Uh, Castano. Castano had a terrific day on Wednesday. Yeah, he's uh, your typical plug and play guy. He's uh, he'll give you whatever he can every time he goes out. I've loved watching him pitch in Jacksonville. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, you know, he was uh, crafty almost. You know, again, I was watching on game day during work, but. Um, just where he was putting his pitches, the sequencing, it was it was like I was watching a, a veteran do his job, and it was really fun to see. But, yeah, Sandy, who, who the Mets will see on Sunday against uh, Chris Bassett, and uh, Pablo Lopez, I think the Mets are going to miss him this weekend. I, I'm trying, I've been trying to find information about that, and I think they pushed the start back, and he could possibly go Friday night. But They haven't listed his TBD. I know he was day-to-day earlier in the week, right? Yeah, he got hit on the wrist with a ball, and it swelled up pretty good. So I think if he can go, he'll go Friday. If not, I think we might see a bullpen game. Looking Because I think they have Garrett scheduled for Saturday. Sandy will start Sunday, and Rodgers will probably pitch Monday. Gotcha. I know Rodgers actually – I want to say he handled the match pretty well the last time he faced him. But, um, yeah, again, there's so much just – fun depth around this team. You got so much more coming up the pipeline. I mean, you know, Max Meyer, I think he's a little banged up right now, but he his, you know, his, I guess, ETA was originally penciled in for some time this year, right? He'll be up when he's ready. Uh, he flexor tendon strain, I think is what they officially said. Uh, he's close to coming back. I heard he was throwing. So I'll go catch his next few starts here in Jacksonville. And if he has success, he'll be up. To help how's fill in um, some of these gaps. How's Sixto's shoulder coming along? They said he was throwing from seventy or throwing at seventy-five the other day. So I think they're not going to rush him, and they don't really need to with the embarrassment of riches they have in the pitching department. Oh, absolutely, and that's another guy who like just all-star level potential. And um, <laughs> like you said, they, <laughs> they, they don't really need him right now. Uh, I can only imagine where this team's going to be in a year, two years, three years where, you know, you've got blue chips coming up across the board. I mean, a guy that nobody talks about anymore is Peyton Burdick. And he, he's still uh, a stud. He's probably closer than most JJ Bleday. Uh, I know he had a very tough year last year. I think after the, the, the COVID pause, he's kind of struggled to find his way, but uh, another guy who could certainly be a, an impact player. And then, you know, you've already got De La Cruz and Sanchez out there and, you got Jazz, you can go infield, outfield, whatever, wherever you need him. Just unreal. Oh, yeah. Blade, um, his average isn't where you want it to see, but when you look at the other numbers, his on-base percentage is like 367 this year. And he's hit 13 home runs and about 200 at-bats. That, that tracks pretty well. I think, I think people wanted him to be better, and I think that average will come along the more time he gets recognizing off-speed pitches. Um, Gerard is finally, Gerard Encarnacion is finally coming around. Um, I know he 
he was raking at double A. Now they have him on the taxi squad, I believe, or he was on the taxi squad this week. Yeah, Cooper had an illness, and they brought him up in case Cooper needed to go on the, the IL. Um, and then they sent him back to Jacksonville. I've seen him play in person. He looks the part this year. He's he's a massive human. Um, I guess some of the questions surrounding him were uh, adjusting to AAA. I know he had issues there his first time up. Put him back mm-hmm. at Double A, and he just you know was another class of player at that level. Um, like you said, I mean, I haven't seen much of him. I haven't seen him at all in person. I see clips when I can, but yeah, that's, um, it looks like a major league swing. So yeah, he's got a hundred at bats in triple a this year. He's uh, 324 on base with a 250 average. So, I mean, you would like to see that a little better, uh, a little higher, but he's got the five home runs to go with that. So, Oh, that's going to play. That'll work. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, of course, Khalil Watson, number one prospect in the system, a lot of buzz around him. Uh, of course, me and Stouffer are both card collectors, so a little extra buzz around him these days. Mm-hmm. Bowman, he's the guy. Uh, what what can we be expecting to hear about him in the, I guess, coming months and years? Uh, he's a stud. As <laughs> long as he can listen to the coaching and get that strikeout rate down. I saw a stat the other day. He was at 41.7% strikeout rate. That's not going to play. <laughs> but he is a, he's playing against older competition so but he's still hitting home runs stealing bases i think he's got nine stolen bases this year and seven home runs but he's only hitting 234 so we need to round him out a little bit and i think the marlins from the major leagues all the way down to the rookie league is to work on that two strike hitting approach i think that would go a long way into success for the future um do you feel that the the general philosophy and and player evaluation that Kim Ang brought in is, is really starting to trickle down and pay off at, I guess, throughout the farm system. Yeah. I mean, you look up and down, you, you got guys just performing way better than I thought anyone, some of them would, you know, obviously, you know, your, your guys that you're supposed to perform are performing. And then you have guys like, you know, MD Johnson, who's pitching incredibly well this year. You got more set with eight home runs. I mean, up really? and down, Zach Zubia, he's got four home runs, but a 413 on base percentage in Jupiter this year. I mean, you, you see success all up and down, like Troy Johnston for double A. Seven home runs, 317 average with a 380 on base percentage. Um, Jordan McCants, again, this is from card collecting, but he really caught my eye last year. Um, I'm curious whether he can, I guess, stay out of the shadow or even eclipse um, Watson. I know he's just going to be maybe a level ahead of him. I think McCants is more of a speed guy. I need to check my notes again, but I think he will be fine. Um, Why Watson is supposed to be have that pop, huh? Yeah, he's supposed to be more of the 2020 type guy. Wow, that's exciting. That's something that could certainly uh, certainly fit on this roster. <laughs> I mean, I think every roster could use 2020, right? <laughs> um, is Conine having the same year he was having last year? I haven't really followed. Uh, yeah, Conine's doing well. He's kind of under the radar. He's uh, in the minors in home runs last year? Yeah, he did. He, he hit a lot of home runs. He's got nine this year with a 262 average. So, Oh, yeah. That's not – with a 358 on base percentage. I think I think he's coming along very nicely. Absolutely. And he came over from Toronto, right? He did. That's nice. That's a, that's a 
see, that's a nice move. The fans know the name from Jeff Conine. And of course, Mets fans know him very well from either <laughs> with the Florida Marlins or he did. <laughs> if, if you have a good memory, you remember that Jeff Conine actually did play with the Mets for a short time. Um, what was it a year? I want to say po- possibly even less or possibly like a year and change. Okay. Yeah, it's all a it's all a very hazy fog. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, what a what a bright future in Miami, man. And that and that Jacksonville, that's the Triple A team. That is the Triple A team. Yeah, I have a uh, ticket package, and I go see quite a few games there. Excellent. And yeah, I guess you're doing work over at Prospects fifteen hundred, right? Yes, sir. We just released an article, a collaboration kind of article today where we had our breakout prospects and Yar Encarnacion was the guy that I targeted as the breakout prospect for the Marlins this year. So check on over at Prospects 1500 to check out that article. We will do. And uh, I believe the Mets see the Marlins a bunch before the um, All-Star break. And then, of course, uh, I think have three more series uh, in the second half. So think we're going to have to have you back in the second half because I, for one, am expecting exciting things from these Marlins and wouldn't be shocked if they're knocking on the uh, the wild card door. You know, you said it before, they might not be ready for prime time, but boy, a team with confidence and talent, watch out, man. Well, the division's stacked this year if we're not talking about the Nationals. Uh, the <laughs> Mets are playing lights out this year, even so good at home. It's going to be a tough series. Um, Braves and Phillies are starting to do their thing. So there's a long road, a long mountain to climb here, but it's going to be fun to watch. Absolutely. Stouffer, I can't thank you enough for stopping by. And uh, I hope we could have you back in the second half of the season. Yeah, anytime. Thanks, Tim. Uh, no problem, man. Everybody, we will see you guys next time. Uh, me and Taryn will be back on Monday, hopefully recapping a, a fun weekend. And uh, we'll see you. We'll see you then. You know the sign off. It's let's fucking go Mets. Peace.